That's right. Got to keep everybody awake and exercising this morning. <laughs> God is good. All the time. All the time. Amen. We'll be reading today from 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 18. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You may be seated. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, and I'm going to have my associate pastor come and help me lead in the Lord's Prayer this morning. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer together. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity once again to come out to your house and to rejoice, to be with the ones that love you. And dear Lord, we thank you for the love that they have for you. Dear Lord, we also thank you for the love that you have for us, guiding us and directing us and helping us each and every day of our life to grow to be more like you. Continue to bless this church and the members of this church and the ones that come so frequently here to this church. Bless us, dear Lord, as we face things in our lives that we don't know the answer to, that we face things in our lives, dear Lord, that seem so mighty and so strong. But, dear Lord, we know with your grace and your will, we shall be able to overcome those things. Now, bless us now as we pray as you taught your disciples to pray. Father, Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom kingdom come, thy thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Got a great helper up here this morning, don't I? I want to talk to you a few moments this morning about rejoice always. I believe we all can agree today that we need more rejoicing in this world. Amen. Because we see so much things that's going on out in the world today that causes us not to have that joy and rejoicing in our hearts and our lives. We are bombarded with what? All the bad, all the gossip, all the things that we hear out in the world today. But I believe God still wants us to rejoice, right? God wants us to have that feeling inside of us that no matter what's going on in the world, what parts of the world are having difficulties today, God wants us to still have that burning sensation that we love Him and that He loves us. And He wants us to have joy in our lives. The scripture that Sheila read this morning there in verse 16, it says, Rejoice when? When you feel good? Or when you want to? Or when the circumstances are right in your life? No, it says, Rejoice always. So we have to say this morning as Christians that we are supposed to rejoice when? 
Always. Even when Tennessee wins, we've got to rejoice, right, Bruce? <laughs> Always, no matter what the circumstances is in your life. You have to rejoice in those things because I've always had in my mind and definitely the past few months I've had in my mind that this too shall what? Pass. We will move past this. Jesus is teaching me something in this situation that I am in to learn how to rejoice no matter what that circumstance may be. It also says, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you as Christ Jesus. God's will. We live in a society today that so often people want whose will to be done. We want our will to be done, right? We want things our what? Our way. We want to be able to see things our way. Instead of saying, God, what is your will? What are you asking for me to do today for you? How can I... Grow in your likeness. Now, Paul, many believe that Paul was the writer of the Scripture, and he was sharing with the church about the importance of how they should behave, how they should live their life, how they should be able to intimidate and share with God what God really looks like and how God wants us to live our lives. had a lot of folks say, over my lifetime. Boy, the church sure has changed. Boy, Christians sure have changed. Christians don't look or behave or act in ways that the old Christians used to do. Let me tell you something. The church is still the same that God gave us. We are, our Christianity has not changed, has it? We know what to believe in. We know how we should behave. We know what words should come out of our mouth. We know those things. The problem is, we as Christians have just settled in and started saying to ourselves, if it's right with the world, it's right with me. Even though God wants me to live and and work in this situation in my life, it's not what God's will is, it's what my world says for me, not my will to be, and how I should live our lives. Today, I truly believe that we as Christians need to do it God's way. Amen? Amen. Not drift away from that. Not to say, well, it's, it's cool. It looks good. We have to go with the flow and we have to believe what everybody else believes. No. That's when we as Christians start drifting away from God. That's when we don't stay to those scriptures. That's when we don't realize the importance of having God in our lives. When Sheila and I used to go to Ruggles Camp. I don't even know how many years ago that was. That's a long time ago, wasn't it? We would have a big uh, day all day long, be doing this and doing that, swimming and all those things. But every night, we had a campfire. And that was the time where Sheila and I could be together and I could talk to her a little bit. and We could share certain things that was there. But one of the songs that we sung was, They will know we are Christians by our love, by the way we talk, by the way we walk, by the way that we do things in our lives. So often, I heard Brother Charles shared this morning in Sunday school class, sometimes it's hard to look at a person and know they're a Christian, right? But boy, when you start talking to them and you start feeling that love that they have and how they're doing their very best to serve God. That's what we as Christians 
need to have in our lives. We need to say to ourselves that, you know, I'm going to have the love of God in my heart and in my life no matter what I face. No matter what is going on in my life. No matter how difficult it may be. It's better to have God on my side than anybody else. Let me tell you something. And I found this out here recently. It's better to have God than the best medicine in the world. Amen? It's better to have God than the best doctors in the world. It's better to have God than anything else in this world. If we as Christians turn all of those things over to God. I believe God has a plan for all Christians. For all of us to be strong. And for all of us to be mighty. And for all of us no matter what. God will bring us through. I was down at the getting some gas. Don't you just love going and getting gas anymore? And let me tell you what you love even more than that. And I know some of uh, the Burnets are going to amen me on that. You, you got to love when you got to get some diesel, don't you? Because diesel's even a dollar higher than what everybody else is complaining about. Now, I fixed that. I parked my diesel and I'm driving my little S10 pickup truck 2000 model. That'll get you about 35 miles a gallon. That it's got new tars and it looks good. But you know, when I was, everybody would, when I'd hear people talking, you know, it used to be people, you went to the pump and it was what? Quiet. Nobody said anything. Everybody's just getting their gas and going home. Well, now we have some great conversations at the pump, don't we? Can you believe how high this gas is? Can you believe what's going on in the world? Can you believe, when are we ever going to make it? Well, I start thinking to myself, one of the great things about getting older, now most of you are not in that situation, but I am now. As you get older, you remember when things like this happened in the past, don't you? You remember when gas was up. You remember when gas come down. It's this life, isn't it? Sort of like a roller coaster. Well, today as Christians, what does God want from us? Even when things are tough, right? We know this too shall what? shall pass we just got to have time you see god doesn't work on my time frame praise be to god god doesn't know if it's eastern time or central time or whatever other time god just knows it's on his time and in his plan now folks say brother paul are you saying that god's got the gas prices up high no i'm not saying that i'm just saying as a society this is what we've done to ourselves amen We've backed ourselves into a corner. We're in a difficult time throughout the world. We have so many things being thrown at us at one time. But God says, hold on. Wait a minute. Let me tell you something you should rejoice about today. And you might say amen to this. There's no gas pumps in heaven. Amen. amen. You don't have to worry about that anymore. There's no hospitals or any of these other things that we want to stay around. All we can do is say to ourselves, this too shall pass. And one of these days, heaven is going to be my home, and I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus in that place called heaven. So, I guarantee you something. And remember this next time you go get gas, or whatever it may be. When you get to heaven, you're not going to worry about that. You're not going to worry about the pri- what the price of gas was back in March of this year. You know that we will grow stronger in the grace of God. But how do we do that? Being a Christian is just not something you turn a switch on, is it? Or you can turn it off. I want to turn it on when I'm around people that are like-minded like me. I want to turn it off 
when people around me that don't believe in Christ. No, it's as becoming a Christian, it's a daily walk, isn't it? You have to rejoice when? Every day. You rejoice on a Monday. You rejoice on a Sunday. You rejoice in every day that ends in what? Why? And you do everything in your ability to rejoice and let others see what Christianity and being a Christian is all about. First of all, they will know we are Christians by the way we live in peace. Wouldn't it be great to have more peace in the world today? Wouldn't it be great for, instead of us thinking, oh boy, this is going to be bad. Wouldn't it be great if we could live in that peace and comfort? After being down in Nashville for four months, I told Sheila when I got home that I was going to get out of the truck, go over to our patch of grass there in front of the house, and I was going to kneel down and I was going to kiss it. Well, she made sure I didn't do that. But when I got home, for the first time in four months, you know what I was able to do? Take a big, deep country air into my lungs. I felt so good being able to come home. The next day or so, Sheila and I went outside. It warmed up some. We got a little place that we can sit on the outside. And I was sitting there, and you know what? I didn't hear any nurses or my machine going off that my blood pressure was too high or too low or my pulse wasn't where it needed to be and all this and that and the other things. But we just both sat there. Isn't it amazing how much you can learn in silence? How that you just get to that zone that you need to be in and you're not worrying about anything else. Nothing else is on your mind and no bells or whistles are going off anywhere. And we just sat there for, I'd say, what, 30, 45 minutes. Didn't say a word. Looking out over my little, I got a little acreage, not like a lot of folks do, but I little, my little place that I have there. And I was looking over it and thinking, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for giving me some peace. Thank you, God, for being there with me. So often, folks, I think we forget about that, don't we? We need to have peace. Sure, there's plenty of other things that, that come into your life, and it takes away your peace, doesn't it? And it's written where? All over your face. It's written all over your face. I, Sheila's got this great way of knowing about me. I guess because she's been around me so long. But she can tell when I'm not, I don't have peace. You know what she does? She'll look at me and say, what's wrong? Of course, now it's, do you feel okay? Are you, are you all right? But sometimes we, we let the things of this world control us more than serving God, right? We let those things control us and bring us down and and cause us not to do what God wants us to do because we, remember this, we allow them to come into our lives. We allow them to affect us. We allow them to bring us down and, and not have the peace that God wants us to have. As we as Christians, we should have great peace, should we? Because we should be able... When you're sitting outside or when you're inside or wherever you are, you're saying to yourself, I have peace because someday I'm going to leave this world. Amen? I have peace in my heart and my life because I know that I'm going to that place called heaven. Now, the other problem that you have with that is, is if you're not turning your heart and life over to Jesus Christ. 
I believe until you do that, you're not going to have any peace. You're just going to be living it yourself, and you're going to try to be fixing all these problems by yourself, and you're going to be trying to carry that heavy load all by yourself. But we know, as Christians, there's only one true way to have peace in your life, isn't there? Only one true way. I just love watching some of these commercials on TV. That was one of the things that I did a whole lot of uh, the past four months. I watched TV all over the time. Of course, I, I grew to know more about Andy Griffith and Gunsmoke and all these other places and just sat there and watched them all day. But those commercials that says, take this pill and it will change your life. Do these things and it will give you great joy and it will give you great peace and it will lower your blood pressure and you'll do all of these type of things. Let me tell you what. We serve a God that's better than any pill you can take. We serve a God that can give you more peace than anything this world has to offer. But we have to be willing to accept that peace that comes from God and accept Him to come in to our hearts and our lives. They will know we are Christians by the way we rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Do you live your life like that? Do we have that joy that God wants us to have? Now, certain things in our life, Bruce, this is already a part of my sermon this day, even before the game yesterday, okay? We lived over in Columbia back in 1987. That's a long time ago. That's right, kids. There was a 1987. Because I was there, and I know what it looks like. Back in 1987, we had just got married. We'd moved out of a, our little bitty dorm room that we had at Lindsay Wilson. I had four churches. They gave us a parsonage right downtown in Columbia. It was this beautiful place. It had three bedrooms, two bathrooms, big old place. The washer and dryer was downstairs. We had a basement. And we had some things. People at college thought we were the greatest thing ever because they'd come over every once in a while and stay down in the basement when, when they were stressed out and things. But Sheila's washer and dryer was down in the, the basement. Well, UK was on one day, and they were behind by a whole bunch. And I, uh, one of the things they did, I'm, I'm sure God did this when I was in the hospital because they wanted to keep my blood pressure down. SEC Network wasn't on in the hospital. You couldn't get it. So I, I, I didn't get excited, didn't have all those things. But in the past, when UK was on, I'd get a little excited. Well, Sheila was down in the basement washing clothes, like she always does, seems like. Washing clothes and drying clothes. UK was playing. They'd make a gigantic comeback, hit the basket at the end to get the win. Well, back in the day when I was young and spry, and could get up quick and not worry about getting dizzy or any of those type of things. All of a sudden, when they hit that basket, I flipped out of my recliner. Now, remind, remember, it's 1987. My TV was about that big. <laughs> and you had to have the rabbit ears in the right place for you to be able to see it. But I jumped out of that chair, and I was stomping, and I was saying, Wow, what a great game. All of a sudden, I heard Sheila coming up those steps. And she hit the door and said, Honey, what's wrong with you? I said, You don't understand. UK just won. She said, Boy, I thought you had something wrong with you. So we can rejoice about some interesting things, can't we? You rejoiced the first time you saw your 
kids take their first step, right? You rejoice the first time that your kids or your grandkids says your name. I remember that at our house. You rejoice when great things happen. You rejoice, I rejoice when UK wins, when different things happen at your work, when you get a promotion or you get a pay raise. You rejoice about those type of things. And people, you can tell it. Now, they probably don't get up out and uh, stop on the ground like I did and so on and so forth. But a lot of people start smiling, feeling better about themselves and all those type of things. Let me tell you what. I believe today we need to rejoice in the Lord, don't we? Every day. Because guess what? God is better and bigger than any ball game I've ever watched in my life. God is bigger and better than any pay raise I've ever gotten in my life. God is bigger and better than... Well, all these other things that you rejoice in your life about. But you see, the old devil don't want you to rejoice. He wants you to be a downhearted Christian. He wants you to live every day in that, that frame of mind of poor, poor, pitiful me. He wants you to stay there and live there. And he wants to bring those thoughts to your mind that continually drives you down. That causes you not to rejoice. That causes you to have stress. That causes you to have depression. That causes you to have these things in your life that are so much destroying you. Let me tell you what. Not only do those things destroy you, but they destroy the people you love around about you. People that mean so much to you. And that, that anxiety and that stress and all of those things. Rejoice. Don't let these things control you. They will know that you are Christian when even, even things are bad. You're still rejoicing in the Lord. Now, I've been a preacher for a bunch of years. 1987. That's a lot to add up, isn't it? But a bunch of years right there. And let me tell you something. One of the things that I just don't understand in all those years. I've seen some great things. I've seen some wonderful things. I've seen some things that I didn't think would ever happen. But one of the things that I've never understood is when people have terrible, rough things going on in their life, you would think that they would go work more than ever. Go to church, right? Pray more than ever. But so often people, when things get tough, they start drifting away from who? From God. And not rejoicing in God, but letting the world take over their lives. Also, they will know we are Christians by the way we pray. By the way we pray. When I was a young teenager, we lived in Mason County, Kentucky. And Dad had two churches. One of those churches was Orangeburg United Methodist Church. I took Sheila back to see it one day. And when I was talking about it, Sheila thought it was this big, gigantic city, you know, with all these things that went on. It's just a little spot in the road outside of Maysville, uh, over in Fleming County, and uh, all of those type of things. But, you know, we, at that church, we had a great, great youth group. And I was able to be a part of that when I was younger. And one of those things that we had, now I think you all uh, have thought this over the years, you just didn't want to say it out loud. But I was in a clown ministry, and you're probably still saying, well, Brother Paul, we still think you are a clown, anyhow, right? But we was in a clown ministry. And we go, we do things at our church, and we, we go to all these other churches, and you have to put all that makeup, white stuff all over you, and those hair and all that. Now, we didn't have one car that we all got out of, but we all pulled up to the churches in our own vehicles. But 
Everybody had their own part. And my part was this. I would run out in front of everybody, start praying here. Of course, clowns, you can't say a word. I was just praying, praying, praying. Then I would get down on my knees and I would pray, 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 pray. And then after I prayed, 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 prayed and nothing happened, I would get up and walk away with this big, long, sad face. Well, the next clown would come out and they would explain that I was praying for what I wanted. What I wanted. And I believe today, no matter how hard you pray, you have to make sure you say these words. God, your will, what? Be done. Not my will, but your will. But listen to yourself when you pray. What do you pray about? Lord, help me have. Lord, help me through. Lord, this is what's going on in my life. When we have to realize to ourselves... When we are praying, we need to pray about, God, how do you want me to handle this situation? God, what do you want me to to do in this situation? God, how do you want me to to pray for someone else? How do you want me to do these type of things? I'm pretty blunt with God. The rest of you probably are too. I start talking to God and I say, God, please help me with this. God, I need your help. With this, well, the great thing about God is He looks at all the list of things that you need help with. He knows where you need it the most, and that's where God's going to give you the help. And He's going to give you help in all these other situations. When you pray to Him as a Christian, you pray to Him. And other folks are watching you, aren't they? They're praying. They're seeing that. Are you praying for a new car and a new house and all the uh, more money in the bank? Is that what you're praying for? Or are you praying for God, help me. God, help me to be able to rejoice. Help me to be able to pray. Help me, dear Lord, to be able to turn all of those things over to you. Also, they will know we are Christians by the way we give thanks. In society, we don't hear a whole lot about that today, do we? I'm just glad I've got a car. I give thanks that I've got a vehicle. A lot of folks say, Well, the gas has taken away all my thanks, right? But praise be to God, you've got a car to drive. Amen? Praise be to God, you've got a job to go to. Praise be to God, you've got kids that love you. Praise be to God, you've got grandkids that you can send back home from time to time, right? Praise be to God for all the things that He has given you to make you stronger. Praise be to God and have that thankful heart as a Christian for what God has given you. Because let me tell you something. God can take it back just as quick as He gave it to you. And we as Christians need to know that and be thankful every day. Be thankful every day. You might say, well, Brother Paul, I'm thankful for today. Well, when you wake up in the morning, you need to be thankful for what? That day. And every day of your life, the things that God gives you. You know, you see things on TV and all these things going over in Ukraine and all these things that are going on in other countries. And you see all this damage and you see all of these things and you see the destruction and you see all those things. And then you have a man that I saw on TV the other day. After his home had been destroyed, he'd lost family members. Everything that he had was down in one little cart. And he was pushing that cart trying to find somewhere else. 
And the reporter looked at him and said, we're so sorry for why, everything you're going through. Can we help you? Can we, can we give you support or those type of things? And the man looked at him and said, I am thankful to God that I'm still alive. I am thankful to God that I am still alive. Today, folks, you may lose material things. You may lose things that seem so, so important to you. When Sheila's car was broke at, into down at Nashville, I still can't believe it. The only thing they stole it was my car keys. I have no idea. It was 200 miles away. But my car keys were stolen. I remember thinking to myself, Lord, I've got to get a new truck key. I've got to get a new mailbox key. I've got to get a new house key. got to get a new key to go into work. Let me tell you what. It worked out. I have new keys everywhere and a new, new uh, something to put them on. Even when things leave you, remember, God has a plan for that. God can replace those things in your life and give you what you need. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And truly believe in the love of God. Today as we gather here at Bethlehem Church. Doesn't that sound great? Bethlehem Church. Isn't it great to know that we still have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ into our heart and our life. I'm one of those people that believe, you know, don't put off salvation too long, first of all. Because we don't know what's going to happen, do we? We don't know tomorrow's going to be we are going to be a part of tomorrow the only thing that's really given is this second of time right this one second that's this what just passed already gone make sure that if your heart and life is not right with god make it right we was talking this morning in sunday school class it was a really good sunday school class amen a lot of good topics a lot of good things to talk about and one of those questions were how do you know if you're saved how do you know truly if you're saved? And Joe Murphy had a good response to that. If you don't know, you should be, right? If you don't know, you should be coming down to this altar and praying and saying to God, God, help me. I still don't have peace. I still don't have that comfort in my heart and my life. And turn everything over to God. You know, a lot of folks try to take Keep secrets from people and say, don't tell nobody. Don't let anybody know that I did this or I said this or whatever that may be. Let me tell you something. There is no secrets hidden from God. God knows it all. You shouldn't be ashamed to have to ask forgiveness of those things because God already knows what you've done. Today, salvation is yours. Doesn't cost a penny. Doesn't cost anything. All it costs is for you to give up the sins of your life and start living for Jesus. Whatever that may be in your life today, what is keeping you away from rejoicing? What is keeping the church not to be where it should be? Whatever those things are, I believe that you should pray today and share with God today. I heard a person one time, well, they asked me this question. Preacher, why do you say that we need to come to an altar and pray? I believe God hears us wherever we are. Well, that's true. I, I believe God can hear you behind the barn. I believe God can hear you in your car. I believe God can hear you wherever you are. But when you're at church and the altar is here, that's a special place. 
That's a place that maybe your great-grandfather was saved. Or your grandma. Or your mom. Or your dad. Or someone else. Salvation is here. Salvation is where? It's right there. This makes sure that you make that decision for God. We invite you to come as we have our closing song.